Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. No. Very recently, the... Prime Minister of New Zealand uh, said that she would never utter the name of the mass killer who killed all the people there so recently. And, you know, there's some wisdom in in that. The other side of the coin is that he may become known as the man with no name and become sort of icon for those who are depraved. But there was a guy from a number of years ago who is practically not deserving of a name either. But the moment you say his name, you immediately conjure up a picture of a face that looked out of our television news screens night after night during his trial. And it just brings me back to, I suppose, one of the times when I was developing a hatred for an individual. And I know I shouldn't say that, but, you know, you do at times feel like you hate some people who are in the news for what they've done. And we've been spoiled for choice in this part of the world. But Peter Sutcliffe was one of those people. And I'm going to be speaking in a moment to a person who's written a book about victims and the families of the victims. Doing that in just a moment. You 105 Breakfast with Morris and Denise. Mary the punk. Yeah, so you do know who I'm talking about. Mary the punk must be in her 60s now. Dr. Leg goes, so they come back to Dr. Leg's funeral. They should do that with everybody. Yeah, they should. <laughs> everybody who dies in these denders, then there's all the old cast should come back from the funeral. That's a good idea. Be coming back quite a lot, though, wouldn't they? <laughs> <laughs> Run around! Run around with your mate. Mike Reed. Mike Reed starts now. And they did run around. You can't do that now, health and safety. <laughs> <laughs> Walk around in an orderly fashion starts now. <laughs> U105 Breakfast with me, Morris J, and Denise Watson. Proudly sponsored by P&O Ferries. Start your day happy. The book is called Somebody's Mother, Somebody's Daughter, and it's written by Carol Ann Lee, who's on the line. Carol Ann, good morning. Good morning. Carol, some people, Carol Ann, some people will be too young and they won't really conjure up a picture of Peter Sutcliffe. I, every time I say his name, see that mean, horrible face that he had, that, that beard yeah. that looked so sinister, that face that looked so cruel. And the... Crimes he committed were atrocious against against women. So, some of the women uh, worked in the sex industry. I'm not sure if if all of them did. I, I'm not 100% sure because it doesn't matter a hoot. He just killed women full stop. And somebody's mother, somebody's daughter, that sets out to do what, Carol Ann? 
Well, primarily it sets out to hopefully make people think more um, and, and to sort of bring out the victim's stories more. I mean, there's been quite a lot of books published on the case. Um, I think there's about 30. And one thing that really struck me was that all but two were written by men um, and all of them focus on the killer or on the case itself and particularly the, the police investigation. And it just seemed to me that the women were sort of almost forgotten in this. And without a doubt, you know, they were the important ones, they and their families, of course. And so I'm hoping that by telling their stories, when the case is ever in the media again, people will think more about these women and think, well, I know something about her life, um, rather than the focus being on him all the time. At least one of them, I'm not 100% sure, but one of them, I think maybe the first one was a young Irish woman, was she? She was, yeah. Um, Anna Brosnan, she was called. Um, she was from Charlie in, in County Kerry. Um, she was born there in 1933 uh, into a big Roman Catholic farming family. Um, and she moved to Yorkshire uh, when she was only 15. Uh, she followed her eldest sister there um, just to start a new life for herself, really, looking for adventure. Um, she fell in love with a... Uh, Ukrainian immigrant and they married they were married for about 18 years um, had no children divorced and um, she had lots of friends there she was a very popular woman very well liked worked in the local Woolworths um, real animal lover and you know known as Irish Annie in the pubs there and the, and the cafes um, and just a real happy-go-lucky young lady really uh, she had another boyfriend, um, and he was abusive as well, unfortunately. But um, then she encountered Sutcliffe one night when she was walking home um, after going to see her boyfriend. And he attacked her and left her for dead. And she was very fortunate that someone happened to be passing by um, only a couple of hours after her attack. And he raised the alarm, and her life was saved. But the attack had such an effect on her life, both physically and emotionally, that she said in later years she often wished she'd died. She wished she hadn't survived. Um, not just because of the horror of the attack itself, but because of the way her reputation was completely trashed by the authorities and by the media. It's harrowing, and that's just one story. That's the story of... Yeah of Annie Brosnan from, from Tralee. And it's story after story of the victims and their families that will be encompassed in this book. Yes, yeah. I mean, that was my main aim. And also to set the story in its historical context so that you get some idea of, you know, what was happening in the wider world at that time. Um, when I say the wider world, I really mean you know, where the crimes were being committed and the, the police attitude to the victims, which were just, a lot of the time, it was truly appalling. There was some brilliant police work done, but there was also some huge mistakes made, which, you know, the outcome of those mistakes ended in, in the loss of some lives um, because the women were divided into two groups. One, the uh, what they called the good time girls and the prostitutes, and then the women who the police described as innocent. 
um, ones who didn't work in the sex industry. You know, uh, the, a, a young shop girl was killed uh, when she was 16. And that's really when the case made the headlines properly in the press because um, there was this outpouring, oh, my God, you know, he, ha- he was on this crusade to kill prostitutes, which was completely wrong. Um, but that was the way the police perceived it. And, you know, they said, oh, he, you know, it's gone wrong. He's killed an innocent girl. And actually, I spoke to the sister of uh, Jay McDonald, who was the, the 16-year-old girl who was killed. And she remembered very clearly that her own parents, in, in the midst of their unimaginable grief, were horrified by the fact that this was going on, that people were separating the, the women into two groups. They saw that as, as unjust as it undoubtedly was. It's sad to think, we would like to think that today that certainly would not happen, but it is sad to think. And I, I, I lived at that time and was, you know, old enough to work at that time. And I, you know, I, I remember the, the categories and I remember yeah. that, that sort of air of, oh, he's, he's, he's got one that isn't, uh, that isn't a prostitute. They weren't even yeah. seen as sex workers then. They, they, they were seen as sub to the standard girl. That's how they would have been yeah. described, sub to the standard, which was absolutely appalling. We, we've been on a journey. We've been on, on, a, on a journey from the 1980s. We often talk about that here on, on this programme. The, yeah. the, the worry and the concern is that the Peter Sutcliffe's don't go away. They still exist in, in society. Do you feel that Sutcliffe, if he's, you know, if, if, if anyone who has an element of sympathy towards Sutcliffe for whatever reason, if they read the book, will they get a proper handle on the suffering that he imposed on those people and on that community? Yeah, I I believe so. Um, And in fact, one of the things that I did, I mean, throughout the book, we don't meet Sutcliffe. He's not involved at all. We learn about the murders, but nothing about the person who is committing the murders and the attacks. But at the very end of the book... I include Sutcliffe's confession where he talks about how he killed or attacked these women. And I did that not to include any salacious detail, but to show exactly the manner of man that he was. Because there are people who think, oh, well, you know, he served his time, he's paid his debt to society. And you think, no, there is, that is just not true. He will always be a dangerous man. And in any case, you know, the crimes themselves were so horrific that he should never be free. That should never, ever be an option for him. So I really, really hope that people will take that away from the book. It is an option, however, that is being considered. Yeah, well, the, the, <laughs> this has come up a few times recently, and again, that's why I wanted to include his confession, because for me, that is it just underscores everything that goes before you know you i hope people get a real sense of who the women were as much as that's possible to do in a book um but the fact is you know that he is still alive he may complain you know as he so often does about his treatment in prison but these women have no lives they're they're gone you know they are they're remembered by people but it's just so appalling that they are not still remembered more, you know, and they are not remembered for the women they were, the individuals they were, and for those women who, I mean, it makes no difference to me whether the women murdered were working in the sex industry or not, Um, you know, but the fact is that none of those women went into it 
willingly. They did it because they felt they had no choice. They were on, you know, complete poverty. Um, they were single mothers, you know, so they went into that as a way of survival, not choice. And the fact that they are then seen as somehow complicit in their own murders is just terrible. Will you send a copy of the book to those who are leading the campaign for an understanding of the man who's now 72 and who feels that 40 years on, almost 40 years on, he should be considered for parole? Uh, no, I won't be sending a copy of the book, but I hope that, you know, the discussion that has been created around it, and also um, this week, it's nothing to do with me, but there is a documentary um, on the television about taking very much the same angle, which is a complete coincidence. But I do think it shows that people do want to hear the victim stories now more than the perpetrators. So I'm hoping that all this discussion and the fact, you know, you've invited me on your show shows um, that people are appalled by this and we should be talking about what he did. And we should also be remembering those women for the, the young promising women that they really were. Yes, we should remember the victims and the victims' families. We should remember the horrific crimes that he committed. And we should remember that he was recommended to be in jail forever, forever. And I, I don't think I'll get many calls from many people saying, oh, come on, let's cut him a bit of slack. Uh, In jail forever would seem like an ideal outcome. Absolutely. I I couldn't agree with you more. Um, But the strange fact is, you know, that uh, he has a lot of um, people who write to him, and a lot of those people are women, you know, who seem to think that he's been misunderstood in some way. Um, And, you know, nothing could be further from the truth. I mean, he wasn't on some crusade against prostitution. He was simply a man who hated women. You know, and the the sad fact was that, unfortunately, um, women who worked in prostitution were more vulnerable, often more vulnerable targets. Um, But it was across the board. He hated women, you know, and that's why he killed. He didn't pick out certain women. The women who write to him, do you think they're vulnerable? Do you think they are weak? Do you think maybe they have something mentally wrong with them to... To, to embrace him as, as a pen pal? Well, all I, I can say about that is I, I, I don't understand them. I don't understand the motivation there at all. Um, I think, obviously, there must be something deeply wrong uh, for them in their lives to, to want to be in touch with someone who has admitted these crimes. It's not that he's been accused of them and there's some doubt. There's no doubt whatsoever that he committed these crimes. Um, so in that sense, I just, I honestly, it, it baffles me. It really does. And when I was working on the book, uh, different people said, are you going to write to him yourself? And I just thought, why? What, what, what could he do? You know, what could he say? Unless he was willing to talk about, um, you know, the attacks and murders that the police believe he has committed, but he hasn't yet ad- admitted uh, there's no sense in talking to him because, to me, he's just—he's a non-entity. He's a very—he was a very dull, inadequate man. 
Um, so there, there is nothing that he could say that would ever interest me other than, you know, giving some substance and some sort of closure to those families who have been affected by his crimes that haven't, you know, that hasn't, haven't had that yet. Yeah, but I began the conversation with you comparing him to the killer of the young Muslim people or the variety of Muslim people in New Zealand where the Prime Minister yeah. of New Zealand will never utter the name of the, the killer. And notoriety is something that these people do actually enjoy. And Sutcliffe does does enjoy an element of notoriety and I'm sure he gets a, a major kick from the next letter that arrives from a woman as he lies in his prison bed uh, reading it. And I just think it's sad, very sad it to is. think that it, that ego very... is being fuelled. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is very strange indeed. But I do think now that, you know, the public have a platform in the way that, you know, sort of 10, 20 years ago, they didn't have. And I think, you know, the internet has given the public a voice more. And the fact is that people do want to know more about the victims now. Um, and I think it was it was great that you opened with that, you know, the, the uh, prime minister there saying that, because I think there is a change in society now and I think that people want to know more about the people who are lost rather than the people who commit the crimes. Very well said. Carol Ann, good speaking to you. The book is called Somebody's Mother, Somebody's Daughter. It's by Carol Ann Lee and it's uh, published at this present moment in time uh, by Mara Books. So you can go to www.mombooks.com or you can go and look up Mara Books. You'll see it all there. Good speaking to you. Uh, thanks for coming on, Carol Ann. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's the writer and journalist, Carol Ann Lee. Uh, your opinions are always very welcome on the topics that we discuss on this programme here on the U105 uh, phone-in. Uh, does your... And I hate to use the word hatred because we're not supposed to hate anyone, but I'm going to use it. Does your hatred of Peter Sutcliffe go as deep as mine? Uh, uh, do let us know. U105 Frank Mitchell phone in with Right Sofa Land. Sofatastic, sofa spectacular now on. Knock, Belfast and Kalinchy. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.